Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. Today I want to talk about the effects of the Holy Ghost, specifically the, the effects on us uh, from the Holy Ghost. When, and we're going to be pulling from the, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So there's three things that we, we are really going to talk about. Yeah, if you've listened to me or you talked with me, I'm really big when it comes to biblical metaphors and, and biblical symbolisms. And I really believe that there's a lot of truth uh, in metaphors and symbolisms when it comes to us and how we uh, live out truth and how we live out the Bible. And so we're going to be looking at the wind, we're going to be looking at the fire, and we're going to be looking at the tongues today that, that we see in this area of scripture that I'm going to be reading. And we're going, I'm going to share what it means and how it is applicable uh, to our lives. So let me, I got about three areas that I'm going to read throughout the message. Let me start with the first one. And this is Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 1 uh, through 4. And this really breaks down the day of Pentecost. This is when the Holy Spirit... Uh, was w the promise just was ushered in uh, to the New Testament church and the first experience that they truly had with what we would call the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly they came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So like I said, you have three different symbols here that represent a truth and an application for our life. We have the wind, we have the fire, and we have the tongues. So let's start with the first one. It says that the, the wind surrounded them. It doesn't say it surrounded them, but get, reading how it is, let's just go, go ahead and read it so, we, we, so you see what I'm talking about. It says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So if we had a rush of wind that came in here today, and it filled the whole house while you're sitting where you were sitting, then I think it's safe to say that it would surround you. Correct? So I would never want to be accused of putting something in Scripture that's not there. But I do believe you got to read between the lines to really see what what, 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 how we need to apply things. So we see that the wind surrounded them. So, so what does this really mean to us? We see what it did for them. What does it mean to us? The first thing we have to realize is what wind does when it surrounds something. Number one is it moves something. So some of you have family from Oklahoma. You've been to Oklahoma. And what Oklahoma is famous for is its tornadoes. If there's one, like, earth, like what people call, quote, the act of God that freaks me out and scares me, it's a tornado. I mean, I don't want to be... I would love to watch a tornado from a distance, but I don't want to be nowhere close to a tornado, if you know what I mean. And uh, 
When you look at a tornado and you see what a tornado does, you see that it will surround wherever, whatever it's going through, and the first thing it does is it moves things. If you've ever seen video and a video to where you saw the eye of a tornado, what you see is it's moving anything that it touches. So if it goes over a house, it's moving debris off the house and it's twisting it. If it goes over a car, the same thing. If it goes over a swing set, the same thing. If it goes over a person, guess what? That person's going to get moved. It's going to have a, it's going to be like a merry-go-round. Well, the wind surrounded them and, and it represents a movement. So when you talk about the Holy Spirit being the wind in our lives, what we have to realize is one thing the Holy Spirit will always do in and for us is it will move us. It will not, the Holy Spirit does not allow us to stay, stay complacent. It moves us from point A to point B. It moves us from glory to glory. It moves us from bad to good. It moves us from cursed to blessed. It will move us from unsaved to saved. It will move us from heaven to hell. It will move us from weak to power. It will move us from sadness to joy. It will move us from, from confusion into peace. The Holy Spirit moves us. Now, there's a beautiful example uh, in Acts uh, chapter 8, verses 38 through 40, about how the Holy Spirit move someone physically. It says, so he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the, and the Enoch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God caught Philip away so that the Enoch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip was found at Azotus. I'm not saying that right, but that's what, I, what you get with me. Now think about this. So Philip would baptize this Enoch, and after he baptized him, the Bible says right here that Philip, the Spirit of the Lord, caught Philip away so that the Enoch saw him no more. Now it is a common belief that in, in this experience, the Holy Spirit took Philip from where he was at and he transported him to another area that was a good long distance away. That's a common belief amongst biblical historians, amongst theologians, amongst people who, just, who, 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 who study this. And it's a perfect example of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit moves just like the wind. The Holy Spirit moves. Well, how does it move us? Number one, the Holy Spirit can move our minds or our hearts. Give the Holy Spirit chance and he can change the way you think about somebody. Change how you feel about somebody. Can help you and allow you to forgive someone. To get over past experience. To get over being broken or being done wrong or being offended or being violated. The Holy Spirit can move our hearts, can move our minds from a broken heart or a broken mind to a repaired, restored, healthy, blessed heart and blessed mind. The Holy Spirit can move our lives 
Like physically, you can be living in Wasco or Shafter one day and have a dream from the Holy Ghost that you're to move to San Diego. Some of you might be like, praise the Lord. South of San Diego, right across the border from Tijuana to do a mission work. He can physically move you. He can move your attentions where maybe you are focused on yourself or you're focused on your worries or you're focused on your job or you're focused on circumstances that is just draining your heart, draining your mind, draining your energy, focused on all the junk that we see on Facebook, on the news, in the commercials. He can take our attention and focus them to a place of peace, to a place of rest, to a place of encouragement, to a place of faith. If we allow him, the Holy Spirit can move our attentions, can move our focus point. Have you ever just found yourself focusing on something negative? And just all of a sudden it's like a light bulb clicked on and it was really the Holy Ghost saying, hey, why are you thinking about that? Why don't you think about something that's good? Why don't you think about something that's pure? Have you ever really been watching a movie here recently? Uh, I don't even know the name of it, uh, but I, I was watching like this mind-twisting, uh, I don't know, kind of thriller, sci-fi, kind of this very weird show. And it's not positive whatsoever, and I was just watching it, and, and it just kind of just hit me. Why am I watching this stupid, negative, weird show? It ain't doing my heart any good. It's not doing my mind any good. I definitely don't feel good watching this thing. I'm actually weirded out by this thing. And it was like the Holy Spirit just being, hey, why don't you change your attention? You don't need to look at that. The Holy Spirit can move, move us to where God wants us. Can I be very honest with you? Some of you are not where you need to be spiritually. I'll let that just sink in. Some of you should be in a place you should have been 10 years ago. You haven't allowed God, you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to move you, to move what you do for God, to move your knowledge of the Word, to move you in you applying the word to your life. You come to church, you're a Christian, you're a believer, but you're not where you should be. You're not where you could be. You're not where God would like for you to be. You just kind of plateaued, barely getting by. You're not really happy. You're not full of joy. There's something inside of you that says there's more, but yet your mind won't, won't let the Holy Spirit take you where God wants you to be. Because there is a sacrifice, and there is work, and there is effort, and God forbid us in our society do anything that requires effort in church. Sometimes, the Holy Spirit moves us to where our heart desires. And let me emphasize sometimes. 
Because can we be adults this morning? We don't always get what we put on our wish list. Can I be really honest with you? Sometimes we don't want people to die in our lives and they die. The desire of our heart is not to lose them, but we lose them. Why? I don't know why. It just happens. Sometimes we get sick. Our people in our lives get sick. And it is the desire of our heart for them or us not to be sick. But for whatever reason, we go through it. Sometimes we want to make more money. But no matter what we do, we just keep hitting a wall. And we can't see that bank account climb. I'm not being a Debbie Downer. But then, again, there are times... When God gives us the desire of our heart. The only reason I said what I said prior to that a few seconds ago is is there's messages out there that if you delight in the Lord that he will give you everything that your heart desires. And that's just not accurate. God is not Santa Claus. And I, 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 am, I am a very optimistic person when it comes to dreams and what you desire in your heart, but I'm also very realistic. And I know in my heart that just because I pray for something and just because I delight in the Lord does not mean I'm going to get it. But sometimes when I ask or when I don't ask, God blesses me with the desire of my heart. God has put me in positions God has moved me to places. God has created opportunities for me that nobody could have put me in. But he made a way when there was no way for me to experience the desire of my heart. And it was the working of the Holy Ghost in my life. Do I get everything that I ever wanted? No. But who does anyway? And sometimes we just blame God. But in all reality, whether it be God or whether it not be, not be, not be God, nobody any time in life gets any and everything that they want. So when it doesn't happen in the context of our faith, why should we blame God and be all upset about it? Because it just doesn't matter who you are. It rains on the just and the unjust. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it don't. But I choose to rejoice and I choose to have faith and I choose to get excited about the moments and the times when God just shocks me and blesses me with the desire of my heart because it does happen with the leading of the Holy Ghost. And that's good. That's good. And when it doesn't happen, I just have to, I just have to chalk it up that, hey, it's just... It, Maybe it wasn't good for me. Maybe it wasn't good for my family. Maybe something bad would have happened. Maybe it just wasn't a part of God's will. And I just have to live with that. And I have to drop it and let it go and just be grateful for the good things that God does do in my life. Amen? So let's move on to the fire. It says the fire sat on them. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. So the fire represents power. Acts 1.8 says, when the Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. So the fire represents power. 
So when you look at fire, there's three distinct powers that we see from fire. Number one, it gives light. That is a power, especially if you was living before the time of electricity and the light bulb. You would start a fire. You would put a fire on the end of a stick, and it would provide light so that you would have a, an ability to see where you were going. One, Missouri is known for all of its caves. It has the most caves in, 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 in all the nation. And one of the things that we used to do is a thing called splunking, and that means exploring caves. And there were times we would, we would go floating, which is going down a river in a canoe or an inner tube, and there was always one or two caves off the river. And there was this one time we, 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 were, we were floating, and we stopped to go in this cave, and there was times we, like, like we went for a really long time, and we've never found the, we never found the end of it, but one time. We got a pretty good ways back, and guess what went out on us? Light. Now, thank God this particular cave didn't have offshoots. It was curvy and windy, but there was some caves had all kind of fingers. I've been in caves that was this around, and me and my buddy was on our bellies, just crawling through the caves for, for hundreds of yards. But we lost our light. And there was a wild spring coming out of the cave, and we was barefooted because floating. And the water was cold on our feet. We didn't know where to go. There were stalagmites hanging. So we had to feel our way for quite a good ways back to the opening of the cave. And let me tell you, when we first saw light, it was as if Jesus didn't come back from the dead. We're safe. We're safe. We're not going to die. We're not going to get lost in this cave. You know, you have the pictures of, of, of people dying in caves, and they're just this old skeleton laying up against the wall. They had this image of three country boys laying up against the wall as skeletons. They found us three years later. Light is a power. The power of illumination. The power to see which allows you to do, to go, and to be. The second power of, of, of fire is warmth. We've been uh, experiencing a little bit of chilliness over the last couple, couple months. And I have, a, I have a, a fireplace. Lorana preaches at me because I turn it on too much, and it causes our gas bill to go up. But I, I, I joy, enjoy. I, I, I get, in the mornings, I get up anywhere from 4.30 to 6.30, depending on, on what happened the night before. And I love, you know, what I really love is when my dog has gone and slept in Abigail's room and he's not in there bugging the fire out of me. I come in the living room, I turn on that fire, I sit next to it, drink my cup of coffee, and a lot of times I turn on a little lamp and I start my day off reading the Bible. I love the power of warmth. We don't turn the heater up real high in the house. There is power in warmth. It warms your bones, it warms your muscles, it warms your fingers. You're able to do the third power of fire is it changes whatever it touches. Stick your hand over a fire for too long, guess what? Your hand's going to change. 
What happens to that wood that gets thrown into the fire? It changes. My cousin, uh, who, who pastors a, a, a really nice church that his dad started and built quite a few years ago, this week, their whole church burnt to the ground. And it was a really nice church, you know, sat several hundred people. Really, really nice church in Arkansas. The fire changed everything. And they were at the end of a, of a, of a revival slash conference. But anyway, fire just, sometimes it changes things for the good. One of the reasons we have beautiful forests when you drive a little bit away from here, if you study it out, is because fire actually burnt trees that allow it to reproduce. But yet, again, we've had really close calls, some of you with your cabins. And the forest around your fire has been decimated. Fire changes things. So when you look at fire and the Holy Spirit, you see it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit gives light. Number one, the Holy Spirit gives warmth. The Bible says in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, just like warmth. And, we, and if you will allow the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will change you. Because how many of you know when you first come to Jesus, we all need a bit of change? Amen? And how many of you know that we can live for Jesus for 20 years and we still need a bit of change? And the Holy Spirit does that. So when you really think about it, when you, when you think about the Holy Spirit being fire and what it does for us, the Holy Spirit gives us the light. The Bible says the Holy Spirit leads us, guides us, directs us. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit will open the word to us. I can't tell you how many times I've taken the same old scripture and I've read it over and over again. And numerous times a new revelation, a new insight, a new thought, a new idea will come off the same five verses that I've read for over 20 years. It's the, it's the illumination of truth from the Holy Ghost. How many times have you been down and out? How many times have you struggled? How many times are you just having a hard time? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Holy, you just felt the presence of God. You felt the touch of the Holy Ghost. You know, one time I physically felt the Holy Ghost. It was when I, when I first really got on fire for God in my late teens. And back in the day, I used to have a lot of demonic dreams. The enemy would, would attack me in my dreams. And I had uh, one of these dreams. It was a very demonic dream. And, and I was very, very, very scared, very, very frightened. And I woke up. And when I woke up, literally, literally, it was as if another human being was there with, with their hand on mine. It was not a pigment of my imagination. It was as if my hand was being squeezed by another human being. And then it lifted. And when I woke up from that demonic attack and I felt the hand of the Holy Ghost squeezing my hand, there was a comfort, there was a peace, there was a subtleness, and I think I even teared up because the Holy Ghost was comforting me in the middle of a demonic attack. The Holy Spirit comforts us. We may not find the comfort we need from people, from doctors, or other sources that we go to receive comfort. But you can absolutely guarantee if you lean into the Holy Ghost, if you seek the Holy Ghost, if you will allow the Holy Ghost, 
He will comfort you in any time of need that you might go through, just like a warm fire on a cold, cold day. And for us, the Holy Spirit changes you. So when you study the Holy Spirit, there's a reason why the Holy Spirit uh, is represented by a dove. And it's because the dove is gentle. And one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit is gentleness, is kindness. And I, I love the fact that the Holy Spirit will change us. But so oftentimes the Holy Spirit will change us through grace, through patience, through a process. How many times have you not been able to get, have you not been able to get over that sin the first go around? And in that same occurrence, how many times have you felt the Holy Spirit just keep nudging you? Just keep pushing you forward. Just keep reminding you, hey, not today. You don't have to do that this time. You can throw that out the window. You can throw that in the trash. You don't have to go to that person today. Come on. Come on. You can do it today. Come on. Get out of the bed. You can make this happen. Come on. You're a little confused. Get in, get in the Word. Come on, I know you're tired. It was late last night. Get up and go to church. You need it. You need the presence. You need the Word. And if you really will allow the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will operate so kindly and so gently and with the patience of God when it comes to us processing through changes that need to occur in our life. Just like a fire, He changes us. I will say there are times, and it really is an exception to the rule, when the Holy Spirit comes in like a raging flood and you get so convicted out of this world and the Holy Spirit's like, stop, 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 stop. And oftentimes that happens really before something bad really is about to happen or when you are about to make one of the dumbest choices in your life. Anybody made some really dumb choices in their life? And how many can honestly say, as a believer, the Holy Spirit was there just, just trying like, no, 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 no. I mean, I can full on say, and there's times I listen, and there's times I'm sad to say I disobeyed. Right. So the third, the, go, going now to the tongues. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. So first of all, they spoke differently. So at this time in, in biblical history, it was the, the, the uh, fest, uh, festival of Pentecost. And there was a lot of people of different nationalities that came to Jerusalem at that time, and they all spoke different languages. And when they began, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were filled. What came in them, what came out of them from what was in them, excuse me, I'm getting mixed up here, is a new tongue. Now, the new tongue allowed everybody that, had a diff, that spoke different and had a different language was able to comprehend, was able to hear, was able to know what was being said. So the Holy Spirit allowed them to speak differently. Another change in their tongue is 
They were, they were able to speak boldly. It was at this time that Peter, Peter stood up amongst a, a large crowd of people. And he, began, he preached a full-on, like, hardcore gospel message about Jesus Christ. And this was the guy that just recently denied Christ. So he rose up and he spoke with boldness. And then he spoke with power. The Bible teaches us that after he spoke that, after he spoke that message, that 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. So we see that what was in them came out of them. A new tongue came out of them. And that new tongue allowed them to speak differently. That new tongue allowed them to speak boldly. That new tongue allowed them to speak with power. And it's the same for us. The Holy Spirit in us produces a new tongue. And yes, we agree and we believe in the gift of speaking in tongues, but that's not where I'm going with this. It's another time and another message. I want you to take it, take it in very practically that everybody can apply to their life. So number one, they, the difference in their tongue was they begin to speak by faith and not by doubt. They begin to speak by truth and they begin to speak by love. And what happens to us if we will allow the Holy Spirit to come out of us, one of the changes of our tongue is we will begin to speak by faith because we put our trust in God. Number two, we would begin to speak by truth because now our truth has changed. The news isn't the truth. The neighbor isn't the truth. Facebook isn't the truth. But God's word is the truth. And if we will allow the Holy Ghost to bring forth a new tongue, what will come out of us is us speaking the truth as opposed to speaking doubt, falsehood, lies, brokenness, sin, negativity, and all the junk that comes out of us if we're not careful. Amen? But then that new tongue also allowed them to speak in love. Peter and John was doing a, 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 a simple routine. They was going to church. The Bible called it a temple. They were going to church and on the way there was a blind man. And we have to realize that they probably passed this blind man up a hundred times. More than a hundred times because typically a beggar went to the same place. And typically a believer went to the same place. So in their past there had to be an intersection between Peter, John, and, the, and not the blind man, but the lame man. But this time, the lame man, the lame beggar, guide their attention. This time, after the Holy Ghost, they stopped. This time, they had a heart of compassion. This time, they realized that that man does not have to be where he's at. This time, they realized truth. This time, they realized faith. And this time, they spoke in love. And he, he said to the layman, silver and gold, what I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. So in the name of love, rise up and walk in the blind man. And the Bible says that Peter reached down and helped him up. And that lame man, that lame man was healed and began to dance and began to run around. And everybody knew that Jesus healed him. And it was a word of love when he said, silver and gold have I not, but what I have I give to you. Rise up in the name of Jesus and walk. It was a tongue of love to that blind man. Lame man, I'm sorry. I keep saying blind man. Am am I making sense? See, the Holy Spirit changed their tongue. It was a tongue of boldness. It was a tongue of faith. It was a tongue of truth. It was a tongue of love. The Holy Spirit helps us speak boldly. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead you to share your story and your experience. You know what the Holy Spirit will not lead you to do is to share what you don't know. Don't work that way. Some people are scared to share truth or to share Jesus because of what they don't know. I've had this you know, told to me several times, numerous times, I, I don't know what to say to somebody. I don't know what the Bible says about this or that. But what you do know is what God did for you. What you do know is your story. What you do know is your experience. What you do know is that once you were lost, but now you're found. What you do know is once you were blind, but now you see. What you do know is you don't know how, but once you were broken and now you're restored. What you do know is how God has always been faithful to you. And it is okay to be honest and say, you know what? I, I don't know everything about the Bible. I'm not a theologian. And it's okay to drop the pride and just to be I, I, I don't know, but what I do know is what God has done for me. If you allow the Holy Spirit, He will give you a tongue of boldness to share what you do know and what you have experienced. I remember one of what I consider one of my greatest achievements of ministry. It's when I was led by the Lord to lead one man to Jesus. And that was a man that became my brother. That was a man that became an uncle to my children. It was a man half Japanese, half Irish, by the name Jimmy Cullen, who is dead now, went to heaven. But through a process of him and I talking at work, and me just sharing my story, me sharing my experience, and me not thumping the Bible in his face, led that man to the Lord, not through my prayer, but through his own prayer. Because one day I came into work, and he was about 25 years my senior, and he come in like a little kid called me John. John, 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 guess what? Guess what, John? 
It's like, what's up, Jimmy? I gave my life to Jesus. It's like, what? He's like, yeah, last night at home. I just got down and I just gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus, John. And you know how it happened? It's because all I did was shh. When the opportunity opened, all I did was I shared my story and I shared my experience. And until to this day, my greatest sense of achievement is ministry is winning that man to the Lord. I have preached to hundreds. I have preached in count meetings. I have laid hands on people and they're falling out. I have prophesied things to people where they had no idea I knew what I knew about them. I stood before 800 Kuna Indians one night, one night in the Darien jungle and I preached Jesus to them and several hundred Kuna Indians ended up giving their life to the Lord. I have for over, th- not over, almost 30 years of ministry, I have preached, I have played music, I have sang, I've laid my hands on thousands of people, but I can honestly say to you, my greatest achievement is ministry when I was just so boldly honest with this man that I loved dearly like a brother and he came to me one day and the fruit of my story and the fruit of my experience that I so boldly shared in love caused this man to come in like a little child and just say, I did it, John. I gave my life to Jesus. He is my Lord now. The Holy Spirit... Cause you to be bold, bold with what he has done in your life. He's not going to ask you to be bold with what you don't know and with the knowledge you don't have. If you let him, he'll put a tongue of boldness in you. And if you will let him, He'll use you to rip somebody out of the teeth of hell, out of the mouth of hell. The last one is he'll cause you to speak with power and authority. In other other words, what you say will affect people. Not because it's you, but it's because of the spirit in you. What you say will get them thinking because it's not your words, it's truth from the Holy Spirit. What you say might get them asking. What you say might get them repenting. What you say might get them receiving. What you say might get them understanding. And what you say might get them upset. But it's okay if it's from, if it's the outcome or the byproduct of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost that was wind, that was fire, and that was a new tongue for the early church is the Holy Ghost, is the same Holy Ghost that provides for us a wind, a fire, and a new tongue. The Holy Ghost will move us. 
The Holy Ghost will give us light, warmth, and change. And the Holy Ghost will give us a new tongue to speak truth, to speak with boldness, and to speak effectively. The Bible has a very interesting verse. It says, I have to paraphrase because it's hard for me to memorize word for word, but basically, the spirit of the prophet is in control by the prophet. In other words, what is going on in you is controlled by your own will. So with that being said, the Holy Spirit can be urging you, the Holy Spirit could be pushing you, the Holy Spirit could be convicting you. But if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to do what we talked about today, the Holy Spirit won't. It just doesn't happen that way. He's not going to push himself on you. He's not going to force you into, the, in, in, into any of it plus more. You have to be willing to say, I receive. You know, there was 120 people in the prayer room when, when, when this happened. 120 people chose to, oh, to, that they chose to do what Jesus told them to do. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and you just wait for the promise. They listened to Jesus and they hung out and they prayed and they talked story for 10 days straight. On the 10th day, the promise came and that was the Holy Ghost. They made a choice to put themselves in a position to receive what God has promised. And it has not changed. You and I, we have to make the choice to put ourselves in a position to receive everything God has promised. It's not just going to happen. And it starts with the choice. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.